Catherine read the gospel reading for this second Sunday of Advent. This is another lectionary reading for this day, and it is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians. And they were still a brand new congregation as Paul was writing to them. What I read for you and what is the reading for this day is the salutation, the greeting. And it is, well, lovely. It's written by Paul to disciples all centuries. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because that of God's grace that has gone with me and because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of Jesus' gospel. This ends the reading from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And may these words, which once transformed the early church's hearts, transform ours as well. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. 130 years ago this month, 130 years ago, our church was still brand new, a toddler. We were gathered, as they say about congregational churches, gathered as a freestanding, free-thinking family of faith which emphasized freedom of the soul. When we began, there were 20 charter members from a number of different traditions. And in our archives, it says there were several Presbyterians, a couple of Methodists, and we proudly included among our numbers an aggressive Disciples of Christ member and one very useful Orthodox Unitarian. And in the earliest days, those 20 spiritual ancestors of ours gathered together for the worship of God in someone's living room. And then, 130 years ago this month, in 1888, on Christmas Eve, no less, the Reverend P.W. Perry from Dowagiac, Michigan, accepted, through a letter to this church, the call to be our first pastor. And in his epistle, he was honest and hopeful about the future of this congregation and their shared life together in faith. And he wrote, I do not expect to find a perfect church. You should not expect to discover a perfect pastor. Yet in spite of our faults and imperfections, together, he wrote, together, 
we will walk through life bearing one another's burdens in Christ's name. I love remembering Reverend, Reverend Perry's attempt to find an equilibrium between the expectations and hopes for the future and his honesty. We know that the season of Advent is also a time of hope and expectation. But I want to suggest to you it might also be an important time for remembering. First off, we probably should remember that every family of faith, every congregation, at one time or another, was brand spanking new. Even the church in Philippi, to which the Apostle Paul was writing 1960 or so years ago, was still in its baby stages, just learning to walk. What that says is that every faith community, regardless of when it started, had its own Advent season. A season of new hope, of anticipation for its future. Now, most congregations, maybe the church in Philippi as well, just like this one 130 years ago, in that season of their Advent, were hoping to grow and survive. Maybe they were wondering if they would ever be able to pass on the good news of God's love to the next generation. And those new families of faith that did survive, many of them probably have wonderful memories of early gatherings in, in schoolhouses, as this church did when Grand Avenue was a brand new school. Or maybe they remember worshiping in forest preserves, or amazing stories of mergers, and stories of mistakes, stories of serendipity, and stories of the Spirit at work. We always hope, however, that there are stories of congregations that were growing in wisdom. And yes, sure, growing in numbers perhaps as well, but mostly seeking to grow closer to God and with each other. Advent is a time of preparation, of waiting, of hoping, but it is also a good time to remember the birthing of the church, that every congregation began as an Advent experience of waiting, of hoping to discover that the birth of Jesus might make all births holy. I think that's worth remembering. It's been suggested that remembering is essential for the experience of anticipation. Remembering is essential for Advent. It was C.S. Lewis who said once that no matter what we think, our lives are not linear. We always say, well, I can only be in one place at one time. And he said, no, that isn't how life is really lived. It's not like a train that has left the station and you're here one day and you're here the next. He said, no. Because we have the gift of remembering, we are forever in every place we have ever been. 
because we have the gift of remembering we are forever in every place where we have ever been. The Apostle Paul, writing to that brand new church in Philippi, was remembering the kindness and hospitality they showed him. Now, we don't know this, but, but maybe that church in Philippi, just like this congregation when it began, first gathered in someone's home. Or maybe, maybe they gathered in the fig and date merchant's shop who was a part of their community. But imagine that wherever they were gathered, after receiving Paul's letter, they were gathered around the hearth. And their, warms, their hearts were strangely warmed by the coals in the fireplace and Paul's sweet words. I thank God, he wrote, every time I think of you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for you. I imagine them nodding and smiling gratefully and remembering Paul as well and how their spirits soared when he visited. And so Paul's letter to this brand new church in its Advent season is dripping with thanksgiving and joy. And Paul writes to this newly minted Christian community in that hopeful and expectant time of its new beginning that yes, he is well and he is so grateful for their support. I mean, his words are simply saturated with gratitude. But here's what's important to know. That grateful, and I mean deeply grateful tone, is particularly striking when we remember the locus of Paul's writing. He was writing to them from prison. And yet he remembers them with delight. I mean, the church at Philippi, they believe, was always a delight to Paul and was perhaps a particular comfort and joy to him in this really difficult time of life. It was one of the first churches he founded after having a remarkable vision. But it was clearly of comfort and joy. And maybe it's because Paul had the gift of remembering. Everywhere and every person he had met was still with him. So when Paul, in prison, put pen to parchment, we don't know exactly, but maybe he was remembering well, Lydia, who was a businesswoman in Philippi. She loved and worshipped God. She wished to be baptized and then invited Paul and Silas and Timothy to reside in her home and supported their ministry of God's love. I mean, you've heard me quote this many times the 15th century mystic Meister Eckhart, who said, and this is, I think, sort of the spirit of Paul's letter, that if the only prayer, the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will suffice with God. Paul demonstrates in this Advent reading to a church in an expectant and hopeful Advent season, Paul demonstrates the centrality and this is important, the sufficiency of a grateful heart. I thank God every time I think of you.
praying with joy every time. Now, never having been jailed, I still have to imagine that Paul's gratitude saved him. Maybe his gratitude even granted him what must be elusive, the gift of patience. I mean, not many of us, I'm guessing, have been to jail, but everybody here understands how frustrating it is to wait. I mean, just the connotation of the word wait is negative. We never think of it joyfully or gratefully. I mean, you and I know waiting is wasted time. When we wait, the ice melts, the salad wilts, the chicken gets dry. I mean, you know it's wasted time, right? When you're at the Wolf Road Railroad crossing and finally you see the last car of the freight train disappear and you see the engine of the next one approaching. You know how valuable your time is when you're in Kirschbaums and the young lady behind the counter so sweetly calls out, number 19, and you look down and you have 47. The idea of waiting and coupling it to the anticipation of Advent hope? I mean, folks, this is a hard sell. Hopeful waiting sounds like an oxymoron. Paul's letter to that brand new church in Philippi is good tonic for the second Sunday of Advent. Paul waits in prison and yet waits with gratitude in his heart. I want you to hear another verse that I read from that passage that Paul wrote to that congregation he loved. He said, I hold you in my heart. I hold you in my heart. The Apostle Paul knew, as I'm guessing Reverend Perry knew about this church, that the Philippians were not perfect and that he was not perfect either. But still he wrote, almost sings, I hold you in my heart. But here's what's astonishing about that simple verse. The scholars who know these things about the Greek in which it was written footnote that verse in the Bible. And they say others translate it equally as likely to read, you hold me in your heart. I hold you in my heart. You hold me in yours. Is there a more perfect verse of scripture than that? I mean, both translations are essential for a life together. Isn't that what every relationship or friendship or church hopes to say to each other? I hold you in my heart, you hold me in yours. And when we remember that every church was once brand new, remember that every church began with an anticipation, an expectation they began with hope of a future and of loving one another. And as Reverend Perry said, they anticipated a future of bearing one another's burdens in Christ's name. Churches, life together, 
mean, we pray and hope to say and to hear, I hold you in my heart. You hold me in yours. And on this second Sunday of Advent, we remember and anticipate and wait, saying as we move into a hopeful future together, we hold one another in each other's hearts. It's what makes us, us. It is what makes our life together. And so we wait in Advent expectation for its coming consummation. Amen.